Hey, everybody, it's afternoon snack time where we give you a short, tasty tidbit to snack on. And today's topic is reviews. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello, hello. So before we get into this topic, I do have a snack aside just since we are in a snack. So I want to give a non-sponsored shout out to a snack box that we've subscribed to as a family called Universal Yums. We do it too. We do it too because I did it because of you. Ooh, did you get the Ukraine box? No, we didn't get ours yet. So it, it shipped. So I should be getting it any day now. Okay. So now I know what it is. You ruined it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So Ukraine arrived today and I just was dining on veal flavored chips before this episode. It's funny you said that. Just last night I was looking up possibly getting a Korean snack box. I was like looking up reviews of different because there's a bunch of different ones, obviously, and I might subscribe. One was like a culture box, too, which I thought was really cool. So you get and they're themed. And I kind of like the idea that you learn a little bit about Korean history and culture with your snacks. Mm. Sounds kind of little reading material with your snacks. So that's something I would look into. But I am jealous of your universal yum box. Yeah. So every month you just get a different country. I forget. Actually, I'm having like a complete <laughs> mind blank. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, what, um, what last month's was. I don't know. Netherlands. It was Netherlands. Netherlands. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. And then before that was Italy. So tasty stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So moving on. So we're all coming at this from not only consumers of Korean dramas who are giving ratings of our K-dramas, but we are also coming at this as writers who experience this in our own creative lives as well. So we've got two sides of the coin here to talk about. So why don't we start with talking about how we actually rate our K-dramas? We have a five-star rating, right? It's a very, very official system. <laughs> like not at all, but it is a spreadsheet and I'm very proud of our spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> We have just a five-star rating on our spreadsheet, and it's pretty simple. Like like Leah said, it's not super official, but it's just to give us an idea so that we are all kind of in the same lane. And so we've got five stars, excellent. I immediately rewatched it, or I will rewatch it for sure. Four stars, the show was wonderful, highly recommend. Three stars, I liked it, but I'm not still thinking about it days after. Two stars, this show has issues, but is worth watching. And one, it's a no for me. So I think something that I wanted to talk about was just, I'm not giving out like five stars very easily. Like, you know, I think I'm like a very critical reviewer potentially. And so like there have been shows that I've given twos to because I think they have issues. Like ones that come to mind are like Boys Over Flowers or Tale of the Nine-Tailed. But in no way do I feel like that's a show that I would not recommend someone to watch. So I think that's something I wanted to put out there is I might give it a two because I think it does have issues. But by my caveat, I feel very much like as a lover of drama, there's seminal shows that like you should be watching and like she was pretty I thought was fantastic in so many ways but I had some major issues which is why I got it too so it didn't mean that I didn't like it necessarily because it's a very loose rating system I mean there's nothing super professional about this it's just our feelings that we're not all always in line with how we think about dramas either you know speaking of boys over flowers that Leah and I kind of buddy watched together over the holidays I ended up giving it a three because I keep talking about it months afterwards. So it's that kind of thing for me too. Like, does it keep me thinking? Even if it's something that bugged me about the show, if I'm still thinking about it and still talking about it, then I had a reaction to it. And it's kind of the same thing that I talk about as a librarian because books are all over in my life. And as a librarian, and I tell students, you cannot like a book, but if you have an emotional reaction to it, then that means it meant something to you. And that's pretty important, I think. Yeah, I think I'm, I've always kind of been a very emotional reviewer. So for me, like just tell the nine tails a good example, like there were 
tons of plot issues, but emotionally, I was all in. And emotionally, I'm thinking about that weeks later. And I, well, not weeks, it's only been a week, but I'm thinking about it almost every day. And there are scenes I want to rewatch. So sometimes I think I don't want to give every drama I watch five stars because to me, no. yeah, to me, five stars is. It should be reserved for this is one of my absolute favorites and they, not everything can be that. So, you know, it's it's interesting because to me, like as an author, if someone gives me a two, I'm like, what? What did you hate about it? But I mean, in all honesty, a two, even according to our rating system is like, hey, we still think you should watch it. And I would say probably most dramas I watch are probably more going to be a three or four. I mean, not everything can be uh, Chloe, you know, not everything can be crash landing on you, which is still my top. So yeah, it's not an official rating. And I also think, you know, for the three of us, we're going to come at it from a different angle and maybe look at a three being something maybe a little bit different. Yeah, three means something different to each of us. I think a two probably means something different to each of us. So I think we want to just do a snack on this so that like, as folks like see us, you know, rate a drama, you know, kind of get a sense of like where we're coming at it from. And also if any, you know, if we do rate something, so uh, first of all, Leah is very often posting ratings for shows we haven't necessarily talked about on air, but that we've seen. She periodically posts our ratings on our Instagram account. So if you see us rating a drama... (laughs) with a rating and you want to know why email us and I would be happy to give my explanation too and even just chat longer about it absolutely so would I and I think that's what's really important here is that even we don't agree on how we rate some dramas and to understand that we're saying this isn't official and we never want anybody to feel bad for liking something that we didn't we want you to enjoy dramas as much as we do that's really what this is all about and if you're looking for recommendations from us that's where the rating system comes in but again it doesn't mean that you have to feel the same way about a drama as we do. And I think what's perfect about that is our discussion of Tale of the Nine-Tailed and our discussion of Goblin, which are coming up. And those discussions show that we are all over the map as far as how we feel after watching both of those dramas. And that is okay. And that's what makes this interesting. And that's what makes the discussion fun. So absolutely reach out to us if you want to know why we didn't feel the same way about a drama as you did. We love talking about that stuff. Yeah. And we definitely don't feel like we are the arbitrators of personal tastes and also don't want to like yuck a yum. So I like to be hyperbolic and like get excited and talk about things and rant. But that no way means that I want to like discount if somebody else really loves a thing. And I feel like the same way. Like I think that Kim Shin and Goblin is like the best thing ever and stand that to all eternity and you know Megan's just wrong that she disagrees. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say that's true. That is emphatically true. There's no argument there. <laughs> and it's okay Megan's wrong because I still like it. <laughs> but I mean that, that's a good example though because I feel like that was really fun to talk about. I loved talking about when we feel differently about a show. Like that's really that's really fun for me. And I like hearing what you liked and what you didn't like and what just makes the conversation more rich in my opinion about a drama when we all feel a little differently and also it's not like you guys get personally well you might have been a little personally offended about Kim Shin. no no <laughs> deep down inside no. and I was not personally offended at all the tail the nine tail jokes because I mean I was You're laughing secure. too you're secure in your love. I, I am. I'm very secure in my completely bonkers post-hell Vans love. 
But this would be like, this would be super boring and nobody would want to listen to us if we all just came on here every week and we're like, this was a good drama, five stars, bye-bye. Like that's the beauty of this is that everything hits us in a different way. And that's what's so joyful about talking about this weekly and why I look forward to every time we plug in the mics and put on our headphones that we get to do this. One thing that I think important to think about too is sometimes you watch a drama at a point in your life when you really needed it. And so sometimes too, that means your emotional reaction to that drama is more heightened. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. And that doesn't mean the drama's not good or or whatever. It just means sometimes it is when you watch it. I, I mean, I would say touch your heart. I really, really loved it. I gave it five stars. I still give it five stars. But I also think it was because... I needed that drama at that time in my life. It was like a really stressful time for me. I was having a lot of anxiety attacks at night and I would watch that show and just completely escape into this like happy world where people were just, it was just a very kind drama. There was just a lot of kind people in it and it just resonated so much with me and was exactly what I needed. And so I think that's important to think about too sometimes when we write things or how we react to things that it could be because of a point in our lives where we watched it. I like that and also go Going along with that is like we're primarily reviewing romantic Korean dramas. And I feel very much like that ties into also like what we do as writers and readers of like the romance fiction genre is, you know, nobody ever wants to date the same guy, right? Like we all like different things and we're all attracted to different things and different heroes and different stories are all going to resonate with us in different ways. And so I feel very much like that's a huge part of it too. Like our psychological like makeup and like what's hitting us and what's like exciting us or like, you know, making a swoon, those are all going to be different. Unless it's Gong Yu and Goblin. (laughs) (laughs) Never going to let it go. Never going to. Hashtag never. Because I do feel like, you know, getting used to like being comfortable, like rating like creative work, you know, that's also something that I want to like think about a little bit and be careful like on how I proceed simply because we all write and publish books, which then get like put out into like the world for public consumption and people go on Goodreads or Amazon, leave us reviews. So one question I just have is like, do you all read the reviews for your romance novels? I used to read them religiously when I was a brand new baby author way, way back in 2014. That's like when we all debuted, by the way, right? Mm -hmm. We were all 2014 debuts. Mm -hmm. When I was brand new to this and didn't know what any of this meant, I read every single review and anguished over every single review, whether it was good or not. And it was so hard to disconnect myself from the idea that this book is my baby. This is my brand new baby and I'm putting it out into the world. And what you say about this book obviously means something about me. Now, all these books later, I am way more detached because I know once that book is out into the world, it is not my baby anymore. It belongs to everybody else except me. There's nothing I can do to change it. And while I would want to know if I had done something severely problematic in a book, I would want to know about that for sure. But I also would hope that as a professional who works with other professionals that I've done my best, you know, to represent my characters the best that I could, that my editor has read it and has given the same thumbs up to it, that my agent gives the same thumbs up and all of that stuff that I feel like I have enough people in my corner to make sure that I'm doing right by my characters and my readers. I let go now. And the only time I look at reviews now is if somebody tags me in one on social media or in pre-publication. So I have a book that's coming out March 30th and the galley for the book is up on a galley site called NetGalley. And I do look at those reviews because that is the very, 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 very first readers. And that will give me an idea 
hopefully, of how it's going to sell, you know, six weeks from now. So I'm kind of peeking at that, but then that's it. I don't read on Amazon. I don't read on Goodreads. I just let go because there's nothing else that I can do. And the book is yours now, not mine. So same as Amy, I used to read every review again when I debuted in 2014. And I do not read my reviews anymore. Sometimes I will check my review rating on Amazon. I like to overall see, okay, is this book resonating with readers? But I really had to change my mindset when it comes to reviews. It's not that I want to surround myself with like, yes, men or women or people. I don't only want to write to people who love me, but I do want to make sure that I'm listening to my audience because there are going to be people. I mean, right now I've been writing, you know, sci-fi romance, alien romance for a year. There are people that no matter what, they're not going to love alien romance. (laughs) They are not my readers. And so I have to make sure that I'm paying attention to the reviews from people that are my readers. I do frequent gauge testing in my readers group just to see, am I still on track? Am I still writing what you guys are responding to? Do you like it? And they'll respond and they'll say, keep doing what you're doing. I'm all in. This is great. And that's how I know that I'm writing for my audience because that's who I want to appeal to. It's funny because the drama I'm watching right now, there's a lot of talk about art. I'm watching Run On on Netflix and there's a lot of talk about art and, you know, there's a person behind the art, but then also art has its value based on the value people give it. And it's so that's all kind of interesting. I'm kind of looking to see how that plays out. But it's made me think a lot about my own art, how I rate it and how I receive those ratings. For me, I'd say again, obviously, I used to read all reviews and also experienced what I know both of you did too, which was the interesting phenomenon of folks who would review us and like usually it was like a negative review and then like tag you in it and then possibly tag you in it like five times a day for like weeks on end where I was like, I'm, I got like, yeah, you didn't like it. Okay, like moving on with life. Yeah, I think that, you know, I learned that and I'm kind of, yeah, very desensitized to that at this point. It's not that I don't care. It's just that, yeah, like it doesn't affect me the same way it does anymore. And I even looked up because I wanted to find like, you know, I went back to my first book and was like, why not just find a one star just to like give an example. So that way, like whenever I'm like critical of something, don't worry, like people are critical of me too. Like this is a full circle. So somebody wrote just randomly, let's see here. This one was dot, dot, dot. How do I put it nicely? I can't. This book is crap. There's no way to skirt around that. Just a bunch of weak characters with oh so dark and tormented pasts and a whole bunch of drama. Blah. Whereas for me, I'm like, well, that's a sounds like the <laughs> back cover copy of a book I'd like to read. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, again, it's like people have different tastes. I have a very like particular style of writing and a sense of humor. Some people like it, some people don't. And then in the last couple of years, I've mostly done some work for hire under like other pen names too. And so sometimes I'll read those reviews just because I'm curious to see like how people experience like some other name that I've written under just for some side job work versus like the Leah Riley brand, which has been like my main romance writing brand. So I mean, it is interesting. I think once I start writing again, like pretty consistently, Megan, your words of wisdom sound good of like remembering your audience and like how like your core audience is feeling. I think that's really good advice to take moving forward. Amy had said this before, but there's no one drama, no one book that's going to appeal to everyone. So I do think you do have to remember who I mean, yes, you're writing for yourself, but it's art. You want to get paid for your art. It's still a business. And so who is your audience and who are you appealing to and keep them in mind? 
I think the whole idea behind it is this idea of perception. And whatever you intend with your book is great, but it's going to be perceived by your audience in a different way. And like we're saying about there not being any one book that appeals to everybody, not any one drama that appeals to everybody, like you're both saying with having your specific audience, is that the way your book is perceived is going to depend on who that target audience is. Like right now I'm writing cowboy romance, Western romance. That is not for everybody. So like Megan has her reader group for her aliens. I have a group on Facebook with other Western romance writers. And those are the people who I want that initial feedback from. So it's not to say that I 100% ignore any feedback. I appreciate feedback from anybody who likes romance and who wants to read my books. But what's most important to me is that core audience. And did they like this book? Because that's going to determine whether or not they buy the next one. And while there is this joy in writing and that I do it for me because I love to tell the story, it's also partly how I make a living. So I do need it to also be commercially acceptable to that target audience. Yeah. Th so within the K-drama world, there's obviously sort of still different genres of, of K-drama. So there's more like a romantic comedy K-drama, a contemporary, you know, romantic comedy like Touch Your Heart or something. And then you have Tale of Nine Tales, which is like paranormal. And then you have some other K-dramas that are just a lot more like maybe action crime. And I think each of those subgenres of K-drama have their audience like there are probably some people who just want the more lighter romantic comedy K-dramas and so sometimes I find that's when it comes to rating that's hard too because I think okay well for a contemporary romantic comedy K-drama that was fantastic but it didn't necessarily give me the feels of Goblin but it wasn't supposed to so that's another thing too sometimes I feel like I'm rating things on different scale but that it's the same way with books Amy's appealing to cowboy romance audiences that have a certain certain expectations for their heroes for action like there's probably got to be like a baby a horse in there i don't know amy's the expert um <laughs> not a leah's, horse. leah's not riding the horses in my in my romances just so you know oh, okay well, oh yeah <laughs> yep but then and then in alien romance there's certain expectations within alien romance that i need to hit to appeal to my audience so Again, that's why sometimes it's uh, rating can be really weird because you're rating something based on what it is and not maybe what it can't be something else. It can't be what it's not. Really what we want to leave you all with with our snack is that take all of our ratings and reviews with a grain of salt. What we love isn't necessarily going to be what everybody else loves. And what you love isn't necessarily going to be what every one of us loves. And we don't even agree amongst the three of us. So just know that this is all for fun and for the joy of K-drama. And that's really all that we are here for. And we invite you to converse with us when you want to talk more about how we review our K-dramas. And if you do want to review us, go right ahead, because apparently none of us are really looking at it. So <laughs> just don't tag us in one-star reviews 10 different times in Twitter in one day. Oh, yeah. By the way, go <laughs> ahead and review and rate us. That would be fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> so why don't we wrap things up by giving a quick recommendation for a five-star review book that one of us has read? I know we've mentioned Talia Hibbert on the show before, but this is kind of the first book that came to mind for me, which was... I think my last like five, five, five star read, which was Work For It. This is actually a gay romance that she wrote. It's sort of a spinoff of one of her series, but it was so touching and charming and heartwarming and had a delicious slow burn between this kind of uptight 
posh man named Alu and a not conventionally attractive farmer who makes cordial recipes named Griff. It was just the cutest book, but sexy too, and also dealt with mental health issues so, so well. I almost felt like it was a K-drama and kind of a gay romance small town British world. It, tr- it truly was. And it was a really special book. So once again, that's called Work For It by Talia Hebert. I am going to go with, I mean, I guess in romance years, like 2014 seems like a long time ago in like Bookland, it's not in like most entertainment. But yeah, I'm going, I guess, way back to like around 2014. And I'm going to recommend Glitterland by Alexis Hall. This is another male male, but and I feel like I keep on the show recommending books that like one of the main characters is a writer. So this is yet another one of those. So there's Ash, the main character is kind of like a clinically depressed writer of pulp crime. And it's a dysfunctional but super heartwarming story between him and an Essex party boy, Darian. And I don't know what it was. These characters just got me and every feeling I had to feel. And I still think about that book. And even talking about it now makes me think I should probably reread it. So that's Glitterland by Alexis Hall. And I will round it out with another YA recommendation. And you think you're going way back. My book is from 2010. So how about that? Ancient history. And yes. But it, but I mean, it was the first thing that I was like, all right, what is a book that has just stuck with me for a long time and that I have reread? It's called The Sky is Everywhere by Jandy Nelson. And yeah, this was published back in 2010. And it is one of those books that I still think about all the time that gave me so many emotions that I can't even talk about. It's kind of like the way that I felt when I finished Goblin, when I finished Chloe, is that the only thing that I could do is go back and read it again. And the best thing that I can say is it's a messy book. It has a messy romance, but it's beautiful. It's the story of Lenny, who you find out in the very first page that Lenny's sister Bailey died of a heart arrhythmia. It just happened and everybody's grieving. And she grieves along with Bailey's boyfriend who lost her to Toby. And they kind of come together in a bit of a toxic way to get over this grief together because they each remind each other, you know, of Bailey. And at the same time, Lenny meets this new boy at school, Joe, who plays clarinet in the band just like she does, although she has been sort of losing her way with her passion. There are these sprinkled little poems all over the place that intersperse the story. And just to give you an idea, I'm just going to read a few lines here to show you how it starts off. Graham is worried about me. It's not because my sister Bailey died four weeks ago or because my mother hasn't contacted me in 16 years or even because suddenly all I think about is sex. She is worried about me because one of her houseplants has spots. So it's also like super quirky and lovely and poetic and I can't recommend it enough. And it is The Sky is Everywhere by Jandy Nelson. I actually remember all of us talking about these three books like in our writer chat. That's awesome. I love it. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to our snack, and we will see you next time. But for now, let's all say... Samnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoona Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoona Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong!